Are you ready to supercharge your music career? You've come to the right place. This is the Real Musicians Don't Starve podcast. The only show where you will learn firsthand how musicians just like you have turned their passions into highly successful long-term careers. I'm your host, Michael Elsner, and I'm so happy to have you with us today. Now, let's dive into this episode. Welcome to Real Musicians Don't Starve. My name is Michael Elsner, and today I'm here with Andrea Stolpe. And Andrea is a multi-platinum songwriter. She's been a staff writer for EMI and Universal Music. She's had her songs recorded by Faith Hill and Julianne Huff. She's also an author. She has a book called Popular Lyric Writing, 10 Steps to Effective Storytelling. And this particular book is a, has been a staple for the songwriting programs at Berkeley College of Music, Belmont University, USC's Thornton School of Music, and she also has another book out called uh, Beginning Songwriting. Now, on top of being a successful songwriter and a successful author, she also hosts her own songwriting retreats and workshops. So she literally is a songwriter's songwriter. And I'm so happy to have you here with us today, Andrea. Thanks for, for being a guest with us. Thank you so much. This is going to be a good happy time. Happy to and, be here. Oh, I, I um, you know, I live in Nashville now and, and there's a lot of songwriters who are, who I'm always meeting. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been in the business for a while, so I, I understand the, the ups and downs yeah. of it as, I'm, as you do as well. And I, I, I would love to get a songwriter's perspective of this because uh, I spent the majority of my career really coming at it from the standpoint of, of a guitar player, producer and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, as a songwriter, you know, we have the ups and we have the downs. And uh, there, there are times when a song gets cut and things happen. And then there, there are times when nothing happens. What does that look like for a lot of songwriters? And, and having, you know, having had a, a career as a songwriter for a, a long time, how do you overcome the, the dips that are going to happen mm-hmm. during, during a songwriter's career mm-hmm. that are just inevitable? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, overcome is, is, a, is a generous word, right? Sort of insinuating that at, at there will be a turning point in which you have, uh, to which there will never be another drought. And, and the reality is, you know, you, you, you always live in fear of um, when it's all going to disappear and you wake up from the dream. Um, so <laughs> I was told when I moved to Nashville um, I went there to become a staff songwriter because I thought, okay, here's a here's a career um, that I can at least tell my mom that I have a goal and she'll understand what that is. It has parameters, right? Um, I I knew that it was a five year town. That's what people kept telling me. Um, and you know, of course, in in my math, I thought, well, if it's five years, I'll do it in two, and I'll do it by working. 18 hour days and push and push and push. Um, you know, so I think the, the thing that I keep coming up against in this career is sort of the, 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 the thoughtfulness that you move through it with at least diversifying, having a large network of people um, that, that know you and that you keep up with and who know what you're doing. And like me, I, I mean, I, when I was in Nashville writing for finally had gotten a publishing deal at the same time, I got the opportunity to teach a Berkeley online course. 
I didn't turn it down because you never know. And then I got the opportunity to write a Berkeley course. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's royalties over you know the course of the, uh, the, the time that that course runs. Mm-hmm. And I consider that the same thing as royalties from my songs. It's just me being able to do music, talk about music, be around musicians, and just make this a lifestyle uh, you know, that that's going to ebb and flow for sure. So the droughts happen, whether you like it or not. I was talking to, um, one of the first people I met in Nashville was Daryl Brown, who is a very successful writer himself, produces Leanne Rhymes, has done so for many years now. And I knew him at a point, uh, before he, it was right on the cusp of having success and he was about ready to throw in the towel. You just never know. And, it, and then, you know, then it all turned around. It had, had some big cuts happen after that. So it kind of, it feels like it does that. It goes from famine to feast. And yeah, yeah. You, you just run with it. And then there's a large part of it where you just say, you know what? I'm good, but I'm not that good. And I'm going to be very grateful for whatever luck comes my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that you refer to it as a lifestyle because it really is a lifestyle. Um, but you also touched on on the royalties and which yeah. really is just a form of passive income and the importance of of always looking for a royalty stream. I think that's one of the most yeah. important things that any musician can do is you know even if you have a solid gig and you know I see a lot of guys who are out on the road you know playing mm-hmm. for a lot of different artists and then of course COVID hit and now they have no gigs and uh, and they're kind of. Uh, they're they're stuck and and, you know, and now they're they're worried about how they're going to pay their bills and and whatnot and it's like well they never built up that passive income stream of creating yeah. something that's going to bring in royalties and whether it's writing a book whether it's obviously writing songs it could even be doing stuff like you know creating virtual instruments for different companies or loop libraries or anything that's creative licensing yeah. your songs to TV anything that creates a passive income stream allows you to you know really get through those those troughs that are going to happen no matter what you're pursuing in music, but it is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It is, it is. I, I love that. And I'm learning more and more about um, those passive in- income streams as I go. Um, and uh, certainly what, what you do and, and your uh, focus that, that has been so successful for you with uh, sync you know, in Nashville, we didn't know anything about sync. Like, what, what is this writing for film yeah. and TV, you know? Mm-hmm. So whatever industry we're in, it's very insular. And, and to really get out and say, okay, let me get clear on what are all the ways that people um, benefit and from having music in their life and contribute to the music industry that's out there. Because it's a lot bigger than the parts that you see. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I had the same experience. I lived in Nashville for four and a half years. I had no idea about the, the sync licensing sure. world until I went out to Los Angeles and discovered this whole new path. And, you know, it was a, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun to, to get into that. But, you know, uh, when you started your career, were, were you focused on, on songwriting? Was that going to be the focus or were you focused on the artist side? How did that work? And then how, how did that lead you to, to uh, getting uh, your, your first publishing deal? Yeah, well, so I had every intention to write the best songs I could. And so uh, when I moved to Nashville, um, yeah, I wasn't that good. I was figuring it out. And my fiance 
now husband, he worked at Mars Music Store. Oh, yeah, I remember he, that. <laughs> he carried a cassette tape of mine in his back pocket. And so he was, you know, without him, I don't, I don't know when that first deal would have come along because he definitely sped the process on. But um, anybody who would come in to buy pro audio, you know, he'd kind of look them up and down. And if they seemed like they knew what they were talking about, he'd say, well, you know, my fiance is a writer and you should take a listen to her stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them actually did. And he was a writer at EMI. And so he was a staff writer um, and uh, decided, you know, six months went by after my husband had given him that tape. And he called me up and said, you know, I've been thinking about what to do with you. And I'm not really sure, but I feel like the first step would be to collaborate. So I'd like you to come out to my house and let's, you know, let me just get a sense for what you do. Um, I so of course I was so excited to have a direct line to someone who, who was signed. And so we co-wrote for a while and, you know, a while, maybe three months or so. And then he started to talk about the potential of signing me to a co-pub deal. And he was with EMI. So it just meant that half my publishing went to EMI, half went to Rick Giles, who sure. signed me to my first deal. And the beauty of that was that I got to co-write on a weekly basis with my mentor. Um, and he took me through the whole process of sitting down with my um, plugger at EMI and figure out, you know, here's, here's how you present a song. For them to say, okay, it's, let's go into the studio and have you demo that, or let's not, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, the idea of getting into that again, that five year get to know what Nashville sounds like, so you don't sound so green that you know people can't hear through the demo to hear the song. Um, so it was just a really awesome, lucky learning process for those couple of years that yeah. I was with him. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about mentorship, and I think that's so important. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, probably just like you, you know, I spent so many years on my own developing my skills before I decided yeah. to take the plunge and move yeah. to Nashville and start the journey. And, you know, fortunately, like you, I, I ended up meeting someone who became a mentor. And when I look at yeah. all the various roles that I've played throughout my career, from guitar player to songwriter, producer, engineer, etc., all of them had a mentor along the way. I had a mentor as a guitar player. I had a mentor as a producer, right? And uh, and that's been, when I really look at the path that I've gone on, I think that probably the biggest, most prominent contributor to my success overall would be the fact that I had great mentorship. And uh, I, I would love to, to know what you think has been the biggest contributor to your success through your career. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny, mentors in my career have been something as short-lived or, or a more temporary relationship as a collaborator, you know, that I write one or two or three songs with over time. Um, and there's been hundreds of those. Mm -hmm. And then the longer term uh, mentors, uh, some of whom um, I would consider my publisher at Universal, Scott Gunter, to have been a strong mentor in my life. Um, but yeah, in, in uh, some of these folks, Jeff King, who played guitar for me for a long time on my sessions, very much a mentor. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, wholeheartedly, that network of relationships is the, the most important part. You can have half the talent you think you need, 
if you have mentors who are worth their salt and, and you're willing to really hear them and put in the time, you got a good chance. Yeah. I think that, that that's really what I what I see going on around me. Yeah, I heard a I heard a phrase recently called your network is your net worth. And uh, yeah. <laughs> when I heard that, I just blew me away. I thought that is one of the most mm-hmm. true statements I, I've ever really heard. Your your network, the people that you surround yourself with, they they really do become your net worth as yeah. as a musician as a whole. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's totally. a, and it's a fun journey too. You know, I think a, a lot of musicians are, or just people in general are, are afraid to network and they're afraid to put themselves out there. But, mm-hmm. and I was one of those too, but I, I really got to the point where, and I've gotten to the point to, that I love meeting new people and having mm-hmm. conversations with them and learning about them. And, and you know, how you said you, you've, you've had hundreds of co-writers and, and all of them kind of become a mentor in some way because you can learn something from everyone that you're working with, you know, for sure. It's, it's so true. And when I started out, I was so self-conscious in the room with people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where I'd go to the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville and I'd sit down and realize that Don Schlitz was sitting right next to me, writer of The Gambler, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there was a point where I started to kind of take the good advice of, of others and recognize that if I didn't get clear what it was that I could contribute to other people and really Mm -hmm. think about that in terms of my relationships. It was just going to be a miserable uphill climb the whole way, trying to stay connected to people and make new connections. Um, And so, you know, that, that was something is thinking about what, what can I bring into the room, into the relationship um, and really just spending a good half hour at the end of every week, sitting down and thinking about, these people in my network and you know, what, what could they need that I could bring? And it could be as simple as um, I'm going to set up a writer round and, and book the club. I'm going to, I'm going to book that night and I'm going to invite that friend and, and um, to play. And, you know, I'll make sure that everybody on my list knows how great this person is. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's been something that took a little while for me to understand. But once I did, it made that whole process of getting connected and staying connected more enjoyable. And that also just made you more valuable uh, to them and their community. You know, if if you're putting on these events and inviting them to it and, and offering something of value to them like that, then of course they're going to, you know, keep working with you and keep bringing you into the, into their community as, as their network builds and whatnot. And that's such a great example of, of being proactive and, uh, you know, seeing what you can bring to the table and what you can offer these people who might be even, you know, much more established than you were at the time, yes. but you can still yes. figure out this other angle of what you can provide them. That's valuable. Sure. That's so important. You know? And and something that's coming up for me too is, you know, I used to try to do so many things on my own. So I would have a show booked and I would know, God, I need to practice um, you know, I, I need, and of course there's a lot of things that I, I like to write the song on my own. I like to perform the song on my own. I like to do it all. Um, but it, it really, in the end, I started to really feel so stressed about not having enough time. And, you know, what am I doing this all on my own anyway? If I really want to up my game, I'll have Jeff come out and play with me mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and I'll try to pay him. But maybe there's something else that I can do, like um, suggest that he plays uh, guitar for 
my you know collaborators next session and you know so i think that that whole idea of being a uh, a character for other people has been uh, a, a big big game changer in um ensuring that my career is more sustainable right. and and not something that's just going to fall, fall apart oh. with the whim of the industry Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're really building a reputation among the people that you're working with as someone who they can rely on. And, and, you know, and like I said, you're bringing value to that situation and you're being proactive. And there's so much there's so much power to that. And one of the great aspects of that is that when you're when you're doing that, you're really focused on other people, you know, and you're not focused on, on just yourself. You're focused on what is what can I do that's going to offer value to their career as well. If you're bringing value to other people's careers, they're going to take you along for the ride for sure. Hey, I just want to jump in here for a second and let you know that if any of your goals over the next year include recording and releasing a new album, generating placements of your songs on TV shows and films, or just building a fan base that will sustain your music career, I want to invite you to my special workshop, Real Musicians Don't Starve. In this workshop, we are going to focus on the three keys to your success, and you're going to learn an extremely powerful strategy that allows you to create your own wow factor. This allows you to attract opportunities to you and your music, as well as remove any financial worry from your life. You can check out this workshop for free at realmusiciansdontstarve.com slash workshop. Now back to the podcast. If you could, if you could go back, this is one of my favorite questions I love to ask people. If you could go back uh, and have a conversation with yourself at 20 years old, sit down at a diner across the table from each other and, and have a conversation, what would be two pieces of advice that you would, you would offer yourself that would either fast track your success or would have allowed you to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, bypass a bunch of, you know, maybe issues that came up along the way that you just had no idea were going to cause a, you know, a problem in the career. I know that for me, some of those things yeah. came down to like learning publishing and understanding contracts and whatnot. I would love to hear your perspective yeah. of that. Oh, that's great. Well, um, it, I, yeah, I think some of the stuff that's coming up for me is, is, is maybe personal. Like the first thing that comes up is lighten up. Do not take yourself as seriously. So in other words, you know, even as far as songs go, it's like, man, you don't need to cling to your ideas so so tightly. You just write it and get it done and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so sort of having more of a good enough mentality, mm -hmm. which is linked into allowing other people to contribute to what I'm doing rather than trying to do it all myself. Free. Mm -hmm. um, with other people. So some of that too would be putting that relationship with others first. Mm -hmm. Thinking more about um, who do I want to have a relationship with and then pursuing music with those people. Sure. Uh, the other thing that comes up for me is to be bolder in the opportunities that I sought. So I, you know, I think like a lot of people, I was told in the beginning to take every opportunity that comes along. And I think that's well-meaning advice. However, I also think that had I been sitting with my 20-year-old self, I would have had sort of a, a, a yeah, but at the end of that. Mm -hmm. Because while you're doing any old opportunity that comes along, you're not putting effort into the things that you really determine. You know what? I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to do, I want to write with that person that's slightly out of reach right now. What might be a good way to get there? So in my case, um, I could have determined 
the the five to ten writers at uh, different publishing companies there with whom I really wanted to write, and then figure out uh, connections. So in other words, ask my collaborators. You know what I I I, I know this is kind of out of my league, but I would really love to write with this person. Do you think that uh, there might be a way we could do a three-way co-write um, so I could get in the room and learn from this person and, and see how that how that works? And I bet you I would have gotten more yeses than no's, but I never asked the question because I assumed that's not how it works. You take what you're offered and no more. See, I, I agree with you 100% on, on those points. I, I agree that uh, oftentimes if you're providing value and people like you, and I mean, everyone's been through this position. Everyone had to come up through the ranks, you know? And, and if, if people, you know, love working with you, then of course they're going to open up doors if they can. I, I truly believe that exactly like you said, you're going to get more yeses than no's. I think assuming uh, things is, is obviously bad, uh, you know, but again, like I said, the, the, the precursor to that, though, is that you are bringing value and, and you know, right. uh, pe- people like working with you. But I also agree 100 percent. And I've said this numerous times, uh, even even through the podcast episodes, that um, uh, the advice that people give you to say yes to everything is wrong advice. And uh, I can I can tell you that if I had said yes, I, I specifically have one specific instance in my in my career that I said no to. And if I had said yes to it. Uh, I would have had a completely different life. Um, and uh, yes. so I don't, I, I actually fully believe that you say yes to the opportunities that align with what you're doing. But if you mm-hmm. say yes to everything, it just becomes a time suck. And it sure does. Takes, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and on, on top of that, you, you know, there, there's also the fact that like, you don't want to be the yes person who just says yes to everyone. You know, right. there there has to be, you know, you, you there has to be some some boundaries that are put up. Um, for there sure, has so. to be. And I, I remember the moment it was like 2 a.m. and I'd been waiting around to sing backup vocals for, for a friend. And I think that's one of the moments where it clicked. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. I can't yeah. keep doing this. This isn't worth it. You know, right around your eighth open mic where, there, you know, there's eight people left in the bar. You're like, no. This is not the road to success. I'm not sure who thought it was, but got to reclaim the path. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've been now, now you're at the point in, in your career where now you're giving back and you're working with a lot of other artists and, you know, you've obviously written uh, a couple books and those books have, have become, um, you know, prime uh, um, content for a bunch of songwriting classes at some very, you know, prestigious, you know, music schools. But I would love to talk to you about the seminars, um, you know, that, that you've been putting putting on. Um, Thank you. The workshops yeah. that you've been doing. Yes. So, uh, well, originally, uh, I was all set to run physical retreats. And we had our first retreat scheduled for this past summer in Nashville. And then sure. COVID happened and we had to scratch that. So we... I just kind of stood there thinking, well, what should we do? Should we put the whole thing on hold? And um, well, like is typical for me, I said, no, there's got to be a way. Let's push forward. So we moved it online. And it has been mind blowing uh, to see the that the need was there uh, for this creative outlet 
for people during this time and how much we've been able to get done even in this little bit of time. We've had two retreats and we're getting ready next week to run a third online retreat. And it's just, uh, it's a Friday through a Sunday and we offer um, three levels of participation where the, uh, we have three seminars that we do. I teach one on uh, lyric writing, one on uh, music writing, melody, and, and groove. And then the, the third one on business. And so there's uh, folks can, can just come and attend the uh, webinars and then and connect with other folks in the group. But the neat thing is this uh, middle and, and upper level enrollment, we curate um, collaborations for people. And so it's the vision that I had was, you know, it's a safe space where you get positioned with people who are kind of like-minded in, in the sense that um, we screen the, the music from every um, applicant to make sure that they're um, in the room with people who desire to create something similar as far as, you know, from what they submit. And so then we pop in and out of the rooms and help people. Well, it's mainly me popping in and out of the rooms to help people figure out um, where they're getting stuck, um, specific tools they can use to move past being stuck. And then at the end of the weekend, after two, three-hour co-write sessions, then we have a showcase and everybody gets to hear everyone else's songs. And by the end of the weekend, it's just, it's it's so inspiring. People are um, even since our June retreat, we're very active on our Facebook alumni group and, um, people are continuing to co-write and, uh, write, writing with others in the group. They didn't get the chance to, to write with during the, um, during the weekend. And then we've had some opportunities, uh, come up in, within the industry. So projects that they're writing for and, uh, and pitches. So we've got some good stuff happening there. I think one of the most important, I, I love these types of workshops. Uh, I've, I've been a part of them many times over the years. And uh, I, I can I can tell, I, I think every songwriter who's been in Nashville for a couple of years or any songwriter who really ended up in a music community uh, for a number mm -hmm. of years will always say that they grew. You know, they, those, those first couple of years is when they grew so much because, you know, I grew yeah. up in upstate New York where, I didn't have other co-writers to write with. I had, you know, one or two guys that, you know, that were also in the music, but, uh, but I was serious about it. And so it's hard to grow when the people that you're around most of the time aren't at a higher level. But when you start putting yourself in, especially in a music industry town, but if you can't live in it, in that town, in, in these types of workshops where you're suddenly surrounded by these other songwriters who are also just as focused on building their craft and getting better at it and writing better songs. It just yeah. naturally makes you a better writer. And these are great opportunities to grow, to meet other potential collaborators. And just as we were saying earlier, your network is your net worth. And, uh, you know, you never so know, true. you never know what song you write with someone is going to turn into something. I've had plenty of songs uh, placed on, on TV shows and movies over the years uh, that I never thought were going to do anything. One, one example that I always mm -hmm. talk about um, in, in, that I actually share inside my courses, um, I had a song that I thought, I didn't give much thought to it. Uh, I wrote it mm -hmm. with this guy. We wrote it for his record. Um, and we wrote it really for his album and, and whatnot. And I didn't, you know, it, it didn't resonate with me. I was just helping him write a song. 
But I decided, well, I'm going to put this out. I'm going to send it out to some music supervisors. I didn't expect anything of it. And next thing you know, it was getting placed on Hannah Montana and high, the movie High School Musical 2. And, yeah. and you never know. You, and that was a big thing for me early in my career that, mm-hmm. that ascended me in the mm-hmm. licensing world rather quickly. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to write with them. And these types of events are fantastic ways to meet and connect with other writers who are also aligned with you, who want to yes. uh, you know, better themselves as writers and look for great opportunities. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And it's a great opportunity for any songwriter to uh, you know, spend their time. Only three days, too. I mean, yeah. y- you can't beat that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. You, you, it's, it's, um, it's essential that you How put much, yourself out there in these. So especially for the virtual ones, you know, obviously when, when, when they're in person, you know, people, people show up and, you know, they're you know, interacting with everyone throughout the day. But, but yeah. on the virtual side, how does that work? Um, you know, are, are there certain hours throughout the day that, that, that people are, are in front of their computer writing with each other or, because there's a big difference mm-hmm. between virtual and in person. I, I'd, I'd love to, yeah. to learn about that. Yeah, um, you know, uh, to be honest, we didn't know how successful it was going to feel either. Yeah. It was amazing how connected everybody did feel. Sure. Um, I think there's a certain degree of we're all in the same boat, and this, this is our only option. Yeah, uh, that w- we had to make it work. But I think um, the way w- the way we did it is in you know we'd meet um, let's say three p.m. Uh, Pacific time on mm-hmm. Friday, and uh, we had people from literally all over the world coming. And so there were people who were, you know, on their first cups of coffee in the morning yeah. and there were people, you know, trying to stay awake. So it, it started with um, all of us trying to get to know each other a little bit, sharing a little bit. The chat box was just blasting. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, you know, certainly kind of had to take a little minute to get into our groove of responding to chat box questions and, and that first presentation. The way we did it is I, um, I had the first presentation on lyric writing was two hours during which though um, we would break people up into breakout rooms. And so they got the chance to try some of the tools together with a group and then with a different group, you know, 25 minutes later. So even if you're um, just coming to kind of check it out, you're not sure if it's the right thing for you, you get some experience and you be, meet about uh, nine people that you didn't know before, you know, yeah. in, in the span of two hours. And then uh, we'll take question and answer period. And then really Saturday, we begin with the same idea. And then in the afternoon, let's say from two to five, there's uh, the collaborative uh, sessions. Right. So again, breakout rooms and groups of three. Um, so there's that safety there, you know, it's not you and one other person. And if you're not feeling it, you know, then you're kind of, we're stuck. So I, I really, um, being in the room with, with enough people, I feel like I can provide enough of a comfortable situation that it, it helps people to feel like they're getting something accomplished and, and learning something and hopefully coming out with a song they like. And then in the evening, we do a two-hour, uh, Saturday evening, we do a two-hour pitch session. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so for that um, song critique session, um, we talk about how to give critique and how those typical feedback uh, things that, that you get on songs when you're pitching, 
um, how those translate into actual tools. Oh, yeah. um, I'm a huge support. I mean, my main goal is to support the songwriter. You know, you tell me any pain point, any struggle, any crit- poor critique that you've received, I have received it. Yeah. Or my, you know, I certainly know about it. And so those are the kinds of things where you need a group like this who can say, I've been there. I know how deflating that is. And let's demystify this. Oh, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Or this song is too long. Well, what do I cut? Well, well, I don't know. You know, the feedback that you get from from most industry people is more just this isn't right for this project because. And they won't give you, you know, they won't give you tips and tools on how to rewrite it because they have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what these groups are about. It's okay. I understand that feedback. And let me tell you what, uh, what that could mean in terms of tools. And I'm all about this. Let's do the simplest tools first. How can we flip the first and the second first? How could we change the point of view? So it's from I, from I to you instead of, you know, he, she, they, and all this confusing stuff. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of tools that, um, it help give the songwriter more confidence and the ability to measure your own quality of music. So you're not just paralyzed yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. That's see, you know, I, I've worked remotely for um, eight years now with my main co-writer. Um, the majority of all the trailers that I've done because uh, I, I moved yeah. to Nashville a number of years ago, and he's still in Los Angeles. They're all remote. You know, we we get online and mm-hmm. and just send you know files back and forth through Dropbox, and then of course we'll have you know Zoom sessions and whatnot. But uh, yeah. if anyone thinks that you know you can't work and write okay. remotely, you can <laughs> you can absolutely work and and uh, collaborate remotely. And I I actually enjoy the Amazing. process. Of of collaborating remotely a lot, it's it's yeah. it's a very uh, enjoyable process because you know you're in your comfort zone. I'm in my studio being able to create. He's in his studio yep. being able to create. We know you know uh, we work on different systems. You know I, I I'm in Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. He's in a different system. So there's mm. you know that was always the tough thing with with you know anytime I go to someone else's studio because I want to sometimes I just want to sit down and I want to do the stuff you know with the engineering <laughs> yeah, background. Right. Right. But but if I don't know the the DAW, then it's like oh now I gotta mm-hmm. sit and explain what I want them to do, and yeah. I could literally do it in three seconds, but it's gonna take three right. minutes. And re- yep. Collaborating yep. remote is 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 absolutely fantastic. So that's so. Where can people go to learn more about you and and, and more about uh, the workshops that you have coming up? Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, a simple place to go would be andreastolpe.com. Okay. And on there, um, certainly signing up on our mailing list would be the best way to keep in touch. Um, we have uh, uh, some, uh, I hope, some great articles on there, and I'm continuing to upload new content. And and um, we've got a, a, some some really tangible um, information and, and tools of the craft that I hope are helping people to get started right away with improving their their craft. Um, and beginning in uh, November, we'll be launching a mentorship program, um, that will enable us to work more one-on-one with songwriters who are, uh, quite serious about entering the market. 
Mm-hmm. And and really a mentorship program. That's that's oftentimes what what happens even with with artists who are signed to or musicians who are songwriters who are signed to publishing deals. Those their publishers oftentimes you know become yeah. that mentor. But until you get to that point, yeah. it's 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 really powerful. Every no matter where you're at in your career, to always have a mentor, always have someone who's not your mom, you know, who thinks everything you do is great, but someone who can really understand what you're doing and, and, and give you honest feedback, but also give you direction that's going to allow you to develop your abilities. And that's so, so, so important. Absolutely. Yes. So I I have high hopes for that. You know, we'll see, Uh, but it'll be our first group in November. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I always love to end these podcasts with our manifesto. And uh, here at Real Musicians Don't Starve, the, the, the real focus that we have is that as musicians, we are business owners and our business is music. Now, a business is simply an organization where value is provided in order to make a profit. And unlike starving musicians who operate with a mindset of scarcity and fear, as success-driven musicians, we operate with a mindset of abundance confidence and service we are doers we are dreamers we are creators and we are achievers and we know that our true value is determined by how many people we serve and how well we serve them because our truth is real musicians don't starve so andrea thank you thank you so much uh, for for being with us and uh I, everyone who's listening i really encourage you to uh go to andrea's website i'm going to include the link below this video for you as well if you're watching it uh on the internet and uh until then we will see you in the next episode